Today we're looking at the story of Naomi and Ruth. It's a story of loss, loyalty and legacy. You know the song, I get knocked down, but I get up again, <laughs> uh, really springs to mind. You know, when, when the uh, boxing or wrestling or whatever it is and somebody's out for the count, you know, if they're counting to ten, when they get to nine, they're still not out, are they? If you get up on number nine, you're still in it. I don't know whether Naomi was at number one or number nine, but she was out of the game. You know, she moved from an Eeyore season into Tigger times. (laughs) To put it in a nutshell, from loss to legacy through loyalty. From loss to legacy through loyalty. I wish we'd got time to read the entire book of Ruth. Uh, We haven't, but I'd encourage you to read the rest of it at home. We're going to read chapter 1, and then towards the end we'll dip into chapter 4. There's a whole lot of good stuff in the middle. But let's start by looking at Ruth. It comes after Joshua and Judges. If you're wondering where that is. Uh, So Ruth chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Alimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of their two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephaphrites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Ophir and the other Ruth. And they had lived there for about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and she wept aloud. And she said to her, we will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I'm, am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even though, so even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? 
No, my daughters, it is better for me, sorry, it is more bitter for me than for you. Because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has inflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Chapter 1, verses 1 to 6, is a story of loss, of painful loss. During a period of about 10 years, Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. There are those of us in this room who have experienced the deep pain of losing a child. July 1989, my daughter Abigail died as a result of injuries in a car accident. Some of us in this room have experienced the deep pain of losing a spouse. March 2007, my first wife, Caroline, lost her battle with cancer. Grief is powerful. It is deep. It hurts like hell. I measure those words because it does hurt like hell. You see, hell is a tiny little taste of hell because hell is the place of eternal separation from all relationships you've ever known. And when you lose somebody, temporarily that's what you feel. So you have a little taste of of what hell is like. I get the impression that the sons had not been married long. It was an age before contraception. Neither of them had children. So I imagine that Naomi was hard on the heels of grieving for those two sons. So in this condition of deep pain, she decides to go home. And it's really interesting that she lays all the blame at God's door. She says, don't call me Naomi. 
which means pleasant. But call me Mara, which means bitter. And why was she bitter? Well, in verse 21, she said, The Lord has inflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune on me. She said, I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Isn't that really fascinating, what she's saying? She said, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. It's interesting, isn't it, how we blame God for the consequences of our choices and miss the reality of the situation. They did not leave because God said leave. They were not leaving in obedience to God. They were leaving because they had lost confidence in Bethlehem to provide for their needs. Very interesting that Bethlehem means house of bread. But their experience at that moment in time was famine. A lack of bread. You know, sometimes we have to hang on and wait for the promise to be fulfilled, even when at that moment in time, everything seems the opposite of the promise. They were moving from Bethlehem, but there were those who stayed in Bethlehem. And when Naomi returns, those who had hung in there were still alive. (laughs) Those who had hung in there were present. God had provided for them in the house of bread. It had not been a time of plenty, no. (laughs) It had been a difficult time, yes. But God had provided. You know, God has not promised that every season will be summer. Ecclesiastes 3 and another men are looking at Ecclesiastes in the studies in, on, a, on a Monday morning. I don't know if they've got to chapter 3 yet. There is a time to be born. There's a time to die. There's a time to weep. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn. There's a time to dance. Naomi went out because it was winter and she expected that in Moab she'd find summer. But she experienced a harsher winter. She envisaged that Moab would be a place of plenty, but instead it was a place of loss. She had left God's people. She had left God's land that he had provided, but she still expected God's blessing. I find it fascinating, I don't know about you, that some atheists, when they go through hard times... Blame the God they don't believe in. (laughs) You know, as Christians, we can blame God when he doesn't deliver what we envisaged that he should have delivered. And there is an element of truth in that. that There's a clear element of Blessing for obedience and cursing for disobedience. If you were to study Deuteronomy 28, that is the general rule. But you've got to put the general rule in the context of something much, much bigger than that. But just before we we look at that, when you take the, the blessing for obedience to its extreme end, it is wonderful because when we obey 
God and give our lives to Jesus Christ and receive his forgiveness and come into his family, the result of that is eternal blessing in heaven, even life forevermore, in a perfect environment. Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? That is the true picture of blessing for obedience. And the same is for disobedience when we refuse Christ, refuses forgiveness, refuses salvation, then ultimately the, the eternal curse in hell is what awaits us. But down here it's not that straightforward because we live in a broken world alongside broken people. And we live in a battle zone between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And in that environment, sometimes bad things do happen to good people. So Naomi was basically a good woman, wanting to care for her family, when the brokenness of this world brought famine, and she trusts her own judgment, rather than just hanging on to God. And when death hits her nearest and dearest, she blames God. I think it's really interesting that that God doesn't correct her. You know, God doesn't say, you're talking nonsense, woman. (laughs) He doesn't. God is so gracious. He just takes it on the chin. See, he doesn't desert her because he loves her. And when we look at loyalty and legacy, we will see God's goodness overflowing. I want to use a a different character now to show what Naomi should have done. You see, Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis 50 verse 20 showed a great understanding of coming out of a season of winter into spring and summer without a trace of bitterness. He was sold into slavery into Egypt by his brothers. In Egypt, he was falsely accused of rape and locked up in prison. Then because of his ability that God had given him to interpret dreams, he interpreted the king's dream, and he was made the prime minister. See, Joseph understood the context of a broken world and broken people. And because he understood that, he could say to his brothers, when he had the opportunity for revenge, and instead he says, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good. The accomplishing of what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, God is in the business of saving lives. And when we go through winter, he is with us to save us and then use us to save others. I love Hebrews 2.18. Read it from the Amplified Bible. For because he himself, that's Jesus Christ, has suffered in being tempted, tested and tried, he is able to run to the cry of those who are being tempted, tested and tried. And we see this throughout Scripture. You've got Daniel in the lion's den. God is with him. You've got Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace and God is with them. You've got Joseph in prison and God is with him. God is with us in the season of winter. Even though Naomi is oblivious to it, God has not deserted her. 
God has not given up on her. And he's planned an awesome legacy which would come to fruition through the wonderful loyalty of Ruth. So let's move on from the loss to the loyalty, from bitter to better. What a beautiful woman Ruth was. Her mother-in-law is bitter, she's broken, she's grieving, and she had an opportunity to stay in Moab and say goodbye. But instead, she declares her loyalty. I think these are some of the most beautiful words in the entire Bible. Where Ruth says to her, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I die. I'll die. And there I will be buried. Isn't that awesome? What loyalty! This is a defining moment in Naomi's life. She didn't realise it at the time, but it was so significant. A few weeks after my daughter Abigail died, there were times when we were still crying. And and Grace, who was only five at the time, my eldest daughter, said to us, Why are you still crying when Abigail is in heaven? See, the grief and the loss had clouded our vision and we had lost sight of what we had. We had three small children who were a gift from God and they needed us. You know, Grace's words jerked us into remembering what we still had. Naomi still had Ruth. Naomi had become bitter through loss, but she became better through loyalty. Ruth's loyalty to God and loyalty to Naomi brought sweetness and life into Naomi's world. You know, the people around us have an effect on us for good or evil. Always. Every day of our lives, but much, much more so when we go through grief. After Caroline's death, I was surrounded by a family of God who who loved me and were loyal to me. And I'm just going to pick one example. We had a, a large garden, and a guy called Chris said, I will come and do your garden for you. And for more than a year... I did no gardening. He did it all. And I had to stop him in the end and say, it's okay, I can do my garden now. (laughs) But that was just one example of loyalty that I experienced. I'm just going to... Loyalty is very empowering. Loyalty breathes life into us at a heart level. Spartacus... Was, was so moved by that loyalty. I don't know if you could see the tear trickling down his face as it touched his heart. The, the bravery of those alongside him. You know, the greatest and strongest and deepest loyalty that we can ever know 
is from God himself. God says to us, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Today is Mother's Day and one of the key characteristics of that loyalty that mothers show to their children when they are particularly small is is so just part of the whole thing of motherhood. And God uses that picture through Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 49 verse 15 and he says this, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. It's as though God says, I've tried to think of the best example of loyalty I could think of, and there it is, but even sometimes that one fails. (laughs) Let me tell you, I won't fail. I will never, ever let you go. You know, we sing that song before the throne of God above. And and I love those two lines. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I love that. The loyalty of God and the loyalty of his people brought me personally out of winter and into summer. And God and his family can do the same for you. So Naomi became bitter through loss, better through loyalty, and then blessed through legacy. You know, God's heart is for legacy. You know, God's heart is that your life would count. Not just while you're alive, but beyond the grave. (laughs) And even for eternity. The very structure that God gave to his people had legacy built into it, into the DNA, to the heart of it. You know, if in our culture, I, as a landowner, fell into hard times and had to sell my land, the chances of getting that back are very slim. Not so for the people of Israel. They could buy their land back. They could redeem the land it was... Part of the deal in redeeming the property, in in buying back the land meant that you took on the widow as well. It's quite an interesting deal, isn't it? And then any children born from that marriage would be regarded as the child of the deceased husband and carry on the family name. And Naomi knew all about God's heart for redemption. She knew all about the laws that put that redemption into action. The culture of redemption. And so she teaches Ruth. And if you read the whole book, you'll you'll see this beautiful story. How she teaches Ruth about redemption. And says to her, how to ask Boaz to be her redeemer. And she gets a great husband in the deal. (laughs) Boaz is a good man, a wealthy man, and he buys back her husband's property. The legacy of redemption is awesome, and that theme of redemption touches each and every one of us because Jesus Christ died to buy you back into God's family.
He died to buy me back into God's family. It's an awesome theme of redemption. And this is how it impacted Ruth and Naomi. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, he this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Wow! (laughs) This little boy became in the direct line of Jesus Christ. What a legacy! (laughs) All it took was a few years to move Naomi from bitter to better to incredibly blessed. You know, God's heart for redemption just bubbles over. (laughs) And into the life of Naomi and Ruth, it produces an eternal legacy that touches you and me this morning. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? That's God's heart. Do you know God's heart? He wants to redeem your life. It might be that you're in winter this morning. It might be that you're even bitter. My heart's prayer is that through the loyalty of God and the loyalty of this family, that the sweetness and life of God would flow into you. And that you would become better. And that you would see an awesome legacy of what God wants to do in you and through you.